Welcome to the party, pal. The, the Michael Dukes Show. The greed and the entitlement is astounding to me. What more could you want from a low-budget radio program? This is a dumpster fire. That was just BS. It is time to get a new perspective. We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just don't fathom it. The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world. Yep, streaming live around the world on the internet every morning at MichaelDukesShow.com, where you'll find the audio-only live stream on Facebook, on YouTube, on Twitch, uh, pretty much everywhere that we can inveigle ourselves. And, of course, across the state of Alaska on this, your favorite radio station and or FM translator, it is... The Michael Duke Show. Hi, how are ya? You guys ready to rock and roll this morning? Let's uh, let's check it out. Uh, we've got a full full show this morning. We're going to be diving into it here uh, in just a bit. We've got candidates galore as we continue to talk about statewide races and statewide issues uh, coming up in this uh, hour. We're going to be talking with Clayton Trotter, who is running for Senate District L. That's a big full seat down in Eagle River um, with plenty of opponents, including two current legislators, Kelly Merrick and Ken McCarty, both running for the same seat along with Clayton Trotter and uh, Joe Wright. So we're going to talk a little bit with Clayton about that here in hour one. And we'll kick uh, we'll we'll uh, we'll kick that off here in just a few moments. In the second hour of today's broadcast, we're going to be talking with Elijah Verhagen, who is running for Senate District R, which uh, is up in the interior. That is the district that's currently uh, being held. The seat currently being held by Click Bishop up in Fairbanks. So an uphill battle for Elijah Verhagen there as uh, Click is uh, very popular amongst the uh, union labor workforce circles and, of course, with the university and more. Uh, but we'll see what Elijah Verhagen has to say in hour two uh, this morning. So uh, <clears throat> full boat of uh, discussions about candidates and opportunities to overturn things that are going on in there. We're going to talk a little bit uh, about that. Um, we'll see what uh, we'll see we'll see what it looks like in there and get uh, get a feel for what's happening um, in um, <clears throat> in this uh, in this race uh, or these various races, I guess I should say across the uh, across the state. Um, a few headlines to start this morning, and uh, there's uh, some interesting ones out there. Uh, of course, uh, the all-consuming, what seems to be the all-consuming discussion is the race right now for the U.S. Senate with Lisa Murkowski, Kelly Shabaka, and Pat Chesbro, uh, which, uh, as you've been watching, uh, if you've been watching at all, uh, understood that this is probably going to be one of the most hard-fought races uh, out there uh, right now. I mean, it seems like, quite honestly, that the congressional race featuring uh, Sarah Palin and Nick Begich 
and um, Mary Peltola is almost tame in comparison to the amount of money and things that are going to be spent there. Lisa Murkowski uh, currently sitting with something like $5.4 million in her war chest, plus more PACs out there raising money for her as well. Uh, she has got a dedicated following uh, for folks uh, who want to maintain the status quo, uh, whereas Kelly Shabaka <clears throat> still only has... Um, I think it was, I think the number was uh, something around the the eight hundred thousand dollars. I think, uh, with Pat Chesbro bringing up the uh, bringing up the uh, the tail end of the train, with only eleven thousand dollars in hand right now. Uh, this is going to lead to some very interesting uh, calculations when it comes to the ranked choice voting and the second and third round of ballots being counted. Uh, I think it's going to be <clears throat> this is going to be. Lisa's race to lose, although I have been very encouraged uh, to see some of the support continue to uh, ramp up for Kelly Shabaka. We'll have to see how that goes, but that is the that is the the big thing. That is the big thing. Um, it was interesting to see the you know yesterday the Anchorage. Um, Excuse me. Uh, Must Read Alaska was reporting that Project Veritas was on hand with a big announcement, big announcement um, uh, about Murkowski's campaign. And um, quite honestly, it seemed like this was much ado about nothing um, when it was all said and done. The uh, press secretary, R.C. Maxwell, for Project Veritas was um, confronting Lisa Murkowski during the uh, during the gas stop, that was the uh, you know the 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 Americans for Prosperity where they were basically rolling the gas prices back at a single gas station back to when Trump was in office, down to like two dollars and thirty eight cents a gallon or something. And Murkowski, I mean, first of all, she crashes this deal, which is was supposed to be you know non, I guess they said nonpartisan. Um, but she showed up and for an hour she walked around and offered to buy people sodas and, I mean, just kind of, uh, I don't know. It was kind of a weird thing for her to show up at. Um, but the Project Veritas, uh, press secretary, uh, confronted her with a, um, with a video of her campaign staff being, uh, involved in the creation and the formation of ballot measure number two. Now, Anybody who's been following this understands that that is not, it's not that surprising. I mean, we, you know, I mean, first of all, we knew that Scott Kendall was involved and Scott Kendall has been intimately involved with the campaign for Lisa Murkowski for many years. We also knew that Shea Siegert uh, was part uh, of it as well. He, uh, he is uh, Murkowski's communication director. Um, he was formerly part of the Ship Creek group, which is a, that is a political, uh, it's kind of a political activist consultancy group that uh, has been going on and been working on liberal campaigns for a, a lot of different candidates. So this was, I mean, again, this was not necessarily anything new. Now, maybe it's just to me. Maybe it's just to me because I had already done the math on this and figured all this out um, and seen who was involved and all the players and all that kind of stuff. Um, but it was um, maybe maybe this is for the more mainstream. Uh, it did raise enough recognition that even the ADN had to uh, acknowledge what was going on. Um, 
It says uh, in the ADN article about the current state of the Senate race from yesterday, at a gas station on Tuesday, Murkowski was nonchalant during a confrontation with a reporter for Project Veritas Action, a right-wing conservative activist group. I'd love that. A right-wing conservative activist group that secretly recorded her campaign staffer speaking about the ballot measure and how it would benefit Murkowski. Several of Murkowski's former and current staff members were involved in drafting and campaigning for the ballot measure. Murkowski's response was, Granted, it was a narrow margin, but Alaskans voted for it, and now we're living with it, right? When you want to say who was behind it, it's the people of Alaska when it's an initiative process. <laughs> no, that's... That's really not what you can say, that it was the people who were behind it. I mean, it would, that's a nice parsing of words, Lisa, but that's not what we've been saying, that, you know, Scott Kendall and company were the impetus. And we knew that this was what it was. If this, the, the pro, ballot measure number two was all about getting Lisa Murkowski and Bill Walker back in office. That's what it. That's what it was all about. That was the whole point of everything. Was giving them a path to victory in what looked to be otherwise a very, very difficult road to hoe. Um, and that's we know that was so. Again, maybe it's just because I'm politically plugged in because I'm watching this. Maybe people out there who are not aware of this, maybe this is news for them. Maybe they're shocked. Shocked, I tell you. That uh, Lisa Murkowski had anything to do with ballot measure number two. Um, And I am all for anything that ties her back uh, to this ballot measure because then people will remember uh, in, um, you know, after November, they'll remember some of the people who have, um, they'll remember some of the people who have, who had, who had part of it, you know, the, the electorate, the people who were really not paying attention, who are not uh, political animals, who are going to be surprised about the whole ranked choice voting thing when they hit the booth and be probably confused and agitated and irritated. Maybe, just maybe, this will put that and connect those dots between the operatives of Lisa Murkowski and Bill Walker and this ballot measure. And maybe they'll remember that. May, just maybe. I, I don't know. It's, it's quite possible. But uh, this is the um, th- this is kind of a, a you know again to me it's nothing surprising and it's nothing there's no there's no bombshell revelation for me on this. Emma Ashlock, a campaign coordinator, could be heard on the video that Project Veritas recorded, saying that while we were working on ballot measure two and voting for ballot measure two, we had Senator Murkowski in mind the whole time. Oh, shocking, shocking. <laughs> I mean, this is not uh, this is not uh, uh, again a big a big secret. Um, <clears throat> but uh, so while uh, while it, it did make enough waves that even the ADN had to report on the Project Veritas project, it was not as I mean I was expecting some kind of big bombshell, uh, you know, because usually that's what Veritas's deal is. They've got some kind of shocking video of somebody actually admitting something that was, you know, that we've all kind of suspected but were true. But uh, yeah, so this is the this is the answer there. The second story I wanted to touch on <clears throat> is the continuing problem that we're having, um, not just in uh, in the uh, South Central area down in Anchorage, but also really across the country. But in Anchorage, you can really see how much this has exacerbated the problem, and that problem includes 
the lack of employees. Uh, you know, we've all bemoaned the fact that we're having a hard time. I mean, if I've talked to one one client or one business owner in the South Central area, I've talked to a dozen of them that basically have said it's impossible to find employees right now, uh, even though. Uh, you know, job openings are there and available and everything else. This is a pretty crazy thing. The Anchorage School District right now is dealing with such a severe bus shortage, uh, excuse me, bus driver shortage, that um, nearly all of the eligible students will be without bus service for weeks at a time. There are only enough bus drivers to serve 7,000 students. The problem is the district has 20,000 students who are eligible to ride the bus. So what they're going to do is they're creating cohorts where the bus service will be available to families for three weeks at a time, and then there will be six weeks without service. I mean, this is just more proof positive why you should homeschool your kids. I mean, just right here. This is the problem. Now you've got to find... Now you got to find a way to haul your kids into school for six out of nine weeks. And uh, they're looking right now, they're currently 70 bus drivers short. Uh, they're offering all kinds of incentives, $2,500 bonuses. They'll pay you to get your CDL. There's, I mean, just all this kind of stuff going on. But this is a huge problem right now. Uh, I mean, they, don't, they can't find cafeteria managers, they, so they're going to have to brown bag it instead of offering hot meals to sit, which I never did understand. I mean, I, 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 I don't think I ever ate the cafeteria lunch. Mom and mom always insisted that we had our own lunch on the way out the door. But anyway, um, <laughs> that, that was a long time ago. Uh, but yeah, they're they're having a serious, serious, and to me, this is just reflective of the overall problem um, with the workforce right now. People are just deciding is that you know they're they're deciding and looking at jobs and things they've been doing, and I think the pandemic really kind of opened up a lot of people's eyes and shifted their priorities. Now, love it or hate the pandemic. It really shifted the perceptions and priorities of a lot of people, especially, you know, we saw it in the food and hospitality industry where people looked at their jobs and said, do I want to do this for the next? Is this something that I really want to do? And many of them said, no, uh, we're seeing the same thing in uh, in other jobs where it's like, do, do I really want to do that for that little amount of money and have to do? And the answer, again, is no, they just decided they don't want to do it. Um, and yeah, I think it's going to take a few more incentives to get people up off the mark and get them moving. Uh, 70 drivers only, they can only haul a third of the students for the school district. Maybe we should look more at, uh, at community stuff. Maybe we should, maybe again, we should be talking about the, the silver lining of the pandemic was people discovering that they could homeschool their own kids. Um, or create pandemic top pods, you know, or, or you know, learning group pods or whatever, whatever else is going on. This is some interesting stuff here. We're going to keep an eye on this. All right. Well, we're up against the break. We've got to, uh, we got to go. We're going to come back. Clayton Trotter is our guest. We're going to be joining him here in just a moment, and uh, we'll uh, we'll continue the Michael Duke show. Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio. We will return with more in just a moment. We will uh, be back. Clayton Trotter will be our guest right after this.
Sunset. Regularly heard on American radio. Michael Duke Show. Okay, um, there we go. Uh, welcome to the program this morning, and I hope you guys are doing well. Um, the Lisa versus, Cal- versus Kelly race was featured on the Federalist podcast. Oh, uh, it was at such a nothing burger, didn't we already know? Yeah, that's kind of what I thought, Angie. I kept waiting for this to be some kind of big you know, revelation, and I was like, well, we know that. Yeah, is it? Um, uh, we already know about it, but I bet there are many Alaskan voters that didn't know it said Bill. And that's what I was saying, Bill, maybe, and it's good to see you, Bill, by the way, I'm glad to see everything worked out and, uh, hope you're on the mend and everything else. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think maybe it's just that we're so far down in the weeds. This was not a big surprise to us. Um, but, uh, for her, uh, for others, it, uh, it could be. Um, uh, I'm sorry, I'm getting, uh, getting Clayton on the line here. Uh, okay. We'll see what he, uh, we'll see what he's got going on. All right. Um, good morning, good morning, good morning. Uh, bus driver shortage is caused by creative pay structure. No one can live on the wage that is paid. Yeah, I mean, bus drivers are not making, you know, are not making a, a, a mint out there for sure. Um, $20 an hour for four hours a day is what Jeannie said. She said, I was applied and told that bus driving has to be a calling uh, because you're dealing with kids. Because, I mean, what, you know, I mean, I, I don't know. I obviously... It's obviously it's not enough. Obviously, it's not enough of an incentive. The the current pay structure. I got this one hair that I can see and it's bugging me. It's like sticking straight out. Um, um, the uh, the incentive to do this from the it's obviously not there. It's not a big enough incentive to do those things. Uh, anecdotes from friends with kids who are looking for work is that they are not getting callbacks or interviews, said Brian. So some of the people have reached out to the school district to offer themselves and they're not getting callbacks or interviews. Yeah. Interesting. Um, um, good morning. I have a new GFC. It looks like a cure of drop of school drop off for the kids. Um, Oh, I'm sorry, Bill. I didn't realize it was the way I read it. I didn't. Anyway, I'm sorry. And I hope everything's okay. Um, uh, Yeah, they're having a problem. And and again, a worker shortage is going on across the entire country for many different positions. And again, I I think it has to do with the pandemic and the and the the. the mental aspects of the pandemic on people when they, you know, uh, maybe had to face their own mortality or were given, you know, were given choices and, and uh, you know, maybe have been out of work for a period of time and, and uh, you know, realized that they wanted to realign their life and everything else. There was a shift. There was a paradigm shift in the mental thoughts about what's going on. And, uh so it's definitely an interesting, uh, interesting situation here. 
Um, well, Clayton is not connecting, and I don't know what's going on. Um, let's see. How close are we here? We're less than a minute away. I don't know what's going on, but apparently we got an instruction, an instruction following problem here. Let's uh, just call him up on the phone and see if we can get him going on there. We'll just try this. Hello, Michael. Hello. Trying to get, this is Clayton. Hey, Clayton. How are you? I'm well. I'm trying to get Zoom to work, but other than that, I'm doing fine. Well, it's I'm having not, a little trouble. It's not Zoom. It's just the link. You just follow the link, and if the link works, it's great, and if not, then we'll just do it here. Oh, okay. All right. Good. It's, I'll it, go back to the link. Hold on just a Yeah. You just, you, just, you just click the link, Clayton. That's all you do, and it'll take you right to it, and you hit accept, and you do your thing. All right. We're jumping back into it. Here we go. The Michael Duke Show. Common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Uh, welcome back to the program. We're continuing now. The Michael Duke Show. About to jump into it here with our guest for this hour. And that is uh, Clayton Trotter, who is running for uh, Senate District L, which is the Eagle River area. And um, Clayton was trying to get on with a new uh, with our new uh, conferencing new video feature. But it looks like it's not going to happen. But that's okay because I got him on the phone. So we're just going to we'll just go. We'll do it the old-fashioned way. We'll just do it the old-fashioned way on the telephone, and uh, he'll join us uh, right now. Uh, good morning, Clayton. How are you this morning, Clayton? Hello, testing one, two, three. Are you there, Clayton? Testing one, two, three. <laughs> I can hear you, Clayton. Um. All right. Well, he's he's obviously set the phone down. He's still trying to get on with the video side of it. Clayton, can you hear me? All right. Well, we'll uh, we'll keep him on in the background here for a second here, as we get ready to uh, jump back into it. Um, as I said, the uh, the race for Senate District L is a crowded one. We've got a whole lot of uh, we've got a whole lot of stuff going on. Oh look at that! We got Clayton. Uh, we got Clayton on the stream here this morning, ready to go. Good morning, sir. How are uh, How are you doing this morning? Can you hear me, Clayton? I'm having trouble hearing you. Just a minute. Can you? Can you? <laughs> we'll just go back to the phones if we need to. Uh, I can hear you. Oh, you can hear me now. There you go. Okay, good. I can hear you. Are you all? Y'all? Y'all ready this morning? I'm as ready as I'll ever be at this time of the morning. <laughs> okay, good. Well, it's it's early and we're ready to go. Uh, Clayton Trotter, again, uh, running for Senate District L, which is a four-way race. Um, obviously, uh, the seat uh, that was vacated by Laura Reinbold uh, with four big candidate names in there, and uh, we're going to kick things off. So, Clayton, tell us a little bit about yourself and, uh, you know, who you are, where you are, where you came from. For those that, uh, for those that have no idea, uh, tell us a little bit about who you are and, uh, and uh, where, you, where, where you come from. Well, I was, I was uh, born in Texas in 1950, it was a long time ago, um, 
as a as a boy, as a Cub Scout, actually, I decided I want to move to Alaska. Planned a trip, made a logbook. I was all set to come up here, and uh, it only took me 50 years to get here. And uh, but I did make it. The last uh, dozen years or so, this is the beginning of my 12th year. I've been teaching at the University of Alaska Anchorage. Mm-hmm. I teach uh, business law, international business law, um, management, and tax on occasion. Um, so I've been, you know, I've been enjoying. Uh, we just lost, uh, just lost Clayton's, uh, just lost your audio there, sir. Um, let's, uh, let's try it again, uh, here and I will, uh, I'll just put you on the phone here and we'll get, uh, we'll, we'll get the audio off the phone here and we'll move forward. Clayton Trotter was our guest. Uh, we're going to continue with him here in just a hot second. And we'll see if we can get uh, we'll see if we can get him back on the audio. I'm calling you on your phone. There we go. Uh, I'm got you. There we go. All right. So uh, you I'm sorry you were continuing. You're teaching business law, and uh, that's leading us up to where we are today. Right. And um, my my background includes being the general counsel of a public interest law firm. Uh, we have been we take cases free of charge. In, involving private property rights, free enterprise, limited government, and life and family issues, parental rights. So I've been I've been doing that since nineteen eighty three. Okay. So in addition to my teaching, that's kind of my evocation there. That's what you do there. Okay. Um well let's talk for a minute about uh the aha moment. What I like to call it. this is when I ask candidates what exactly did you lose your mind? Uh, and decide that running for office was what you wanted to do. What was the, you know, what was the moment where you said, I need to throw my hat in the ring here? What was it? Was it a single thing? Was it a straw that broke the camel's back? Or was it something cumulative? Did somebody, you know, encourage you to run? Were you asked? What was the, you know, what was the impetus to get you into this race? I'd have to say two or three things. Um, first of all, I'm going to go. One of my sons was killed in Iraq. He was a sergeant in the United States Army. His name was John Byron Cross. So I usually start off with him. But those who have given their lives for this nation, and there's millions of them, uh, deserve more than we're getting right now out of this nation. This one of, is a big part of it. Now, also, as the General Counsel of the Justice Foundation, we have been filing briefs in the Supreme Court. I'm licensed in the Supreme Court of the United States for 30 years against Roe v. Wade. Roe v. Wade is no longer the law of the land. Uh, It is now the responsibility of state legislators to decide how many infants are killed in their mother's womb it's no longer the Supreme Court. It's the people of Alaska, the legislature of Alaska, uh, who will decide that. Right. In addition to that, though, uh, I have I started the first oil and gas law class at UAA. Believe it or not, they didn't have an oil and gas law class at the University of Alaska Anchorage in the College of Business. Um, I had 
familiarity with oil and gas, so I said, let me need a course. So I tried to get a course there for about the eight years and finally accomplished it this last semester. What the federal government is doing to Alaska is simply a crime. We, we're shutting down. We've got 20% of the world's oil reserves in this state. And we're, we're canceling leases. We're shutting down the, the oil field. And so I guess it's complicated three things, if that makes any sense. All right. Um, well, I'll tell you what, let's, uh, we're having some audio issues here, Clayton. So I'm going to have you, I'm going to take you off the video and you can just, we're going to put you on the phone and we'll okay. just, we'll just continue on. Uh, we'll just continue on, on the telephone here since I've got you, uh, on the phone right now with me, uh, at the same time. And we'll, uh, we'll, we'll work through that. So three reasons, uh, Roe v. Wade, obviously a big push for you. Um, and again, trying to make sure that Alaska gets their fair kick on the oil and gas side of the world. Um, what uh, what do you see as being the biggest problems um, in uh, you know in in the legislature right now? What do you see being the biggest issues that we're going to be facing? Well, on 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 the oil and gas front, we simply have to have a response to what the federal government, what the Biden administration is doing to Alaska. I mean, it's it's horrific. Um, and I think a response may be, and this is just a, a speculation perhaps, or at least this is something that we should explore. Uh, there is a theory uh, of constitutional government which says that if a state deems the actions of the federal government to be unconstitutional, and it's been used like with the Fugitive Slave Act uh, before the Civil War, the, the right Congress, Congress passed the Fugitive Slave Act and said, "Well, you can't, you have to return slaves back to the South who come to the North." Well, the basically um, the Northern states just ignored that law. They had the Underground Railroad. You know, they would they would protect slaves that came to the North. They just ignored it, and. And it was kind of blatantly unconstitutional on top of that. So the overreach in, in Alaska by the federal government, particularly on state lands or native lands, is just unconscionable. So one of the things we might consider is just kind of just kind of ignoring the federal government and, and not cooperating with them. You know, a good example in Alaska is is marijuana. Right. There's a there's a federal statute that makes it a crime to possess with intent to distribute marijuana. Five year five years in jail. It's, just, it's a tough statute. But in Alaska, we've ignored it. And we've got, we, you know, we've got marijuana stores on just almost as often as we have coffee shops. Right. And so what have we done? Well, we just told the federal government where to get off. So. You're, talk, me, you're talking about nullification, right? I mean, this is about... Well, yeah, yeah, that's the doctrine called yeah. nullification. Yeah. yeah. But, of course, now the Supreme Court of the United States says, well, you just can't do that, you know. But then that's the Supreme Court of the United States. And and it's, it's been done. It's been done repeatedly across... I mean, California, you know, the whole sanctuary city movement. That's nullification. They say, oh, we're just not going to cooperate with you. 
We're not going to turn criminals over to ICE and have them have them deported. Right. We won't well, use state resources to enforce federal law, which is the same theory behind sanctuary, uh, uh, you know, sanctuary gun laws as well in states and counties where their local law enforcement will not uh, cooperate with the federal government or utilize local monies to enforce federal laws as well. There you go. And and most of the federal laws in the oil and gas patch are enforced by state actors, not by federal agents. So if we just said we ain't going to do it no more, then then the federal government's got a big problem. Now, I don't know that we'd go so far as to say we're going to arrest people that try to take guns away like we do with the, with the guns or, you know, I don't know if we'd go that far. But that's certainly something to be taken up in the new legislature is our response to the Biden administration. Right. And we do have some power. We do have some power and we need to utilize it. Let's so. let's talk uh, for just a second here. I've only got a, a couple minutes before we have to go to break. But um, okay. let's talk about the overall budget, size and scope of the budget. Too big, too small, just right. What is Clayton Trotter's philosophy on the current budget in the state of Alaska? Well, I always think that government's too big and and the budget is too big and there's too much bureaucracy supported in, in Alaska. I think you know, cuts could be made. Now, as a professor at the university, we've been cut pretty severely. Um, we've lost about 15%, maybe 20% now, I haven't looked recently, of our professors. Professors at the university haven't had a raise in five years. Oh, wait a minute, they had 1% raise in five years. And no, no, no inflation adjustments or anything. And yet I just read in an article that says that the lawyers in Juneau just got a 15 percent pay raise. So, you know, where's the you know, there's a lot of lack of equity there. And I'm very concerned about education. I've been a professor for 30 years. I've I've, I've got 11 kids. My first wife passed away and, and I had six with her. And and then I've, I've remarried and I've adopted three kids from Haiti Education is very important in my life, and it's, it's very important in every life, particularly young people. And I think maybe we should be spending more money on education and giving raises to teachers and professors rather than giving raises to lawyers and Juno you know, that are trying to, to run the show for us. Anyway, I got away from the general and into specifics. Yeah, there, and I'm sorry. Well, no, I want to yeah. I want to dive into that, and so we'll do that here in just a second here, and uh, uh, we'll uh, we'll take a look at that. Clayton Trotter is our guest candidate for state senate in District L. We're going to continue here in just a moment with him. We will uh, return the Michael Duke Show, common sense, liberty based, free thinking radio. We will uh, be back with more and Clayton Trotter, candidate for Senate District L, right after these messages. Don't go anywhere. We're broadcasting live through a series of tubes. Allowing all of these entities to provide streaming stuff going on on the the, the internet. Well, it's kind of hard to explain. Sorry. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. All right, we're uh, in the break right now. Uh, Clayton Trotter is our guest, um, and uh, uh, somebody made a comment about your your accent, Clayton. Clayton, you obviously you're a transplant to Alaska, but you uh, you bring a lifelong love for for Alaska to the uh, to the table here, right? I mean, you decided when yeah, you were, I, were a Cub Scout, you wanted to come here. 
Yeah, I was 11 years old. I still got the logbook. I made it up. Uh, it's got plywood cover, and I put a map of Alaska and the state bird and the state flag, and I planned a trip. And, you know, back then, it would only cost me $275 of gasoline to come up when I was 1961. But that's a little different now. And uh, But, no, I just love Alaska. I, I, I just fell in love with it when I was a kid. Of course, that was right after it became a state. And right. And and being in that little state, you know, that if you divided Alaska in two, it'd be the third largest state in the union. I just the idea of a state that was twice the size of where I live, just I was just enamored of this place. And I still I love Alaska. That's why I came up here. And uh, yeah, no, I know I can't do much about the accent. I apologize. It's, yeah. um, you know, but that's. That's my background. It is. It, it is what it is. That's uh, it for is sure. what it is. Yeah. Um, what do you think um, the uh, uh, what do you think of the uh, uh, possibility? I know you talked about uh, Roe v. Wade and that decision and uh, protecting the unborn. Um, yes. What do you think of the possibilities of things changing right now? I mean, the Alaska Constitution says the that the right to privacy exists, and the courts have interpreted that and used that as a as a uh, justification for uh, the right to abortions here in the state. Do you think that that's going to change now that Roe v. Wade has fallen, or is well, that something the, you're going to work to change? Well, yes. I, I, I first of all, the if you read the right to privacy, it specifically says the legislature shall determine. The parameters, that's not the word they use in the Constitution, but the legislature of Alaska shall determine what that right to privacy means, not the courts. The courts, the legislature constitutionally has not only the right, but the duty to interpret that. Now, if you read read carefully the cases in the Alaska courts where they said, well, we've got this right to privacy, it includes abortion, they founded and grounded their decision in Roe v. Wade. They basically said, we don't have a choice. We, we, we've we got to find a right to abortion in the Alaska Constitution because, well, we can't do anything about it anyway because the Supreme Court of the United States. Well, the Supreme Court of the United States is no longer a player in this. It's the people of Alaska and the Alaska courts. And if the legislature defines the right to privacy basically any way it wants to, then the courts pretty much have to go along with it. Now I have a I have a I have a pet peeve about the courts in Alaska that that I don't want to get into right off the bat unless you want me to. But um anyway. Well feel free. They, I got I got three minutes here of the commercial break. Okay. We're still talking with Facebook here. So feel okay. free to, right. to share your pet peeve quickly here. Okay. My pet peeve is is that in Alaska the courts are an arm of the Bar Association. You have seven members of the commission that decides who the nominees are to the governor for the courts of Ala- for the Supreme Court of Alaska. And four votes, three lawyers elected from the Bar Association and the chief justice of the court are a majority on that, that commission or the committee, whatever it is. And so the courts run the judiciary, not the other way around. Lawyers are supposed to be subject to the ju- the judiciary. The judiciary is not supposed to be subject to the lawyers. And I don't know of any state that has a system that actually works out this way. Now, I think probably what we should do is go to the federal model and let the let the governor nominate whoever he sees fit, send it to the legislature, and appoint somebody to be, 
you know, at the Supreme Court and the other courts. But but to, we've got the fox in charge of the hen house, guys. I mean, the lawyers are are running the courts. That's not that's not wise. That's a private organization handling the judiciary for all of us Alaskans. And I don't think they've done a very good job of handling it myself. Now, thankfully, I'm not a member of the bar of Alaska. I intentionally didn't join the bar here. I didn't want to practice law when I came up here. I I wanted just to be able to teach. <laughs> and But that's one of my pet peeves. We need to do something about that judicial uh, selection process. Yeah, I mean, it's called the Missouri plan, and Missouri doesn't even use it anymore. In fact, I think we're one of the few states that yeah. even uses it anymore. So definitely a, uh, um, you know, definitely need to uh, discuss it for sure. Clayton Trotter is our guest, a GOP candidate for Senate District L. Clayton Trotter for Alaska.com is his website. If you want to go take a look at it, I've got links up in the uh, top of the, uh, uh, oh, i got links, I guess, in, on the video here. But you can find him again at Clayton Trotter for Alaska.com. We're going to continue here and uh, kick things off. We're about 20 seconds out uh, for uh, from uh, rejoining the radio. Do me a favor. Please like and share the video. Please like and follow the show page. And let's get... Uh, Let's get things going on, shall we? Uh, uh, make sure you subscribe and ring the board on YouTube. Uh, ring the bell, rather, on YouTube. All right, we're continuing now with Clayton Trotter, GOP candidate for Senate District L. Uh, Clayton, uh, before we went to break, we were talking about the budget, the overall size of the budget. We kind of got down to the weeds there first. So, but before we before we jump back into the weeds, um, again, the size of the budget too big, too small, just right. What, uh, what what where do you fall on the on one of those three choices? Where do you think that the budget lays right now, overall? Well. I think I think Governor Dunleavy laid out a, a budget that he thinks is acceptable, and I assume that the legislature that you know passed it thinks it's acceptable. But I just think there's there's got to be a lot of uh, fat that could be cut out of that budget. I mean, and, and as a conservative Republican, you know, that government governs best that governs least. And my perception is we've got far too much bureaucracy, paying far too many people. Doing stuff that uh, you, at least I can't see the the effect of what they you know getting paid for. We ought to turn much much over to the private sectors we can, and um, and and cut the budget. I mean you know that's just kind of the, I mean that's kind of a classic Republican view I guess, but but that's the way I perceive it. Now down in the weeds a little bit. Education obviously is one of the biggest expenditures in state government. Um, you were just, uh, I guess, bemoaning the cuts that were made to the university, um, although the cuts to the university, that, as they were originally proposed by the first Dunleavy budget, are, I mean, it's a fraction of what it was. Um, yeah. we, we've got a university system that's got three separate universities inside of one system with three right. with three duplicative, uh, uh, you know, uh, executive branches. And then we've got an overarching system on top of that that is the overall universe. I mean, I'd say that there's probably plenty. Plenty of cuts that could be made uh, in the university, even if nothing more than just with the duplication 
of effort and consolidating it down into one system. Um, and you know, you 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 were talking about you know one percent increases in raises for people and things like. But I mean, there's many people in the private sector who haven't received a raise in many years. I have not received right. a raise in many years. So I guess, you know, what about cutting into and, and creating and, and fixing the duplicative effort there at the university or the 53 separate K-12 school districts that are all basically duplicating each other and talking about consolidating? I mean, there's ways to make this thing work. Yeah. Yes, I agree. And and I, I, I don't agree with the, absolutely everything you said, but I, certainly there's ways to make things work. One of the things I think, and this is just, again, you know, my business approach to things is we need to allow for competition in education. Um, you know, we've got this huge bureaucracy at the University of Alaska based, you know, based, we call it statewide. Right. And, uh, and, you know, and they've got, they've been adding people while professors, because they have, now professors can vote with their feet too. I mean, you know, and a lot of them have something like 20 percent have left and gone other places because they don't have to hang around. And we've lost about 20 percent of our students at UAA, too. And, and they, they and, and what we're doing is slowly strangling the operative part of the education, the students and the teachers. Right. Or the professors and the students. But we're feeding that bureaucracy more and more. I mean, they've added positions with fewer people to manage, quote unquote. So there's a lot of things that could be done there. But I think really restoring competition to education is the key to this, is to – and the Supreme Court, again, has just recently said that you can have a system where you can support all kinds of schools and private schools and public schools. And, and I personally think the best way to go is to have uh, the education dollars go to the parents – and then let the parents choose the school they want to send their kids to. So you're talking about like backpack education, where the money follows the student versus following the school, and they can decide right. where they want to where, where they want to put it. Uh, I mean, uh, and I'm interested because you're right. I think what you're talking about the growth of the administrative side, the growth of the infrastructure, with yet a decline in the student base, and 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 dollars actually trickling down trickling down to the classroom. I think mm-hmm. I mean that's a prime example. I'm more interested though to find out what you found uh, disagreeable in my previous statement uh, where you said you disagreed with me. I'm curious as to say what part of that did you disagree with? Well, I, I mean, I think we ought to fund education. I think we ought to fund teachers and students well, we're, not fun- we're funding education. We're funding education to the tune of seventeen thousand dollars for every student in the state of Alaska. I know. So I, know. I mean, uh, how much more? No, no, no. I'm not trying to justify that. Don't how much? How much more saying. money do we need? I guess is my question. If you're saying we should when, fund, I would say we are funding. No, no, no. But we're funding no, we it. We don't in the need wrong to spend way. more money. Yeah, we don't need to spend more money. No. What uh, What I was saying is, what we need to do is cut out the administrative fat and focus on getting educational resources to students. If we had a system, we, people, some people call it a voucher system. I mean, I can remember when I had my first six children in a public school in uh, another state, and they were talking about doing this. I would have loved, at that time, it was $8,000 a student, and I had six. So that would be six times eight is 48. I can do a little math. And I would have loved to have gone into the principal's office at the school and said, look, I've got, I've got $48,000 here that comes to my family and my children, what are you going to do for my children for this $48,000? Well, 
Instead, instead of sending the money directly to a, a, a bureaucracy that makes sure that they spend the money, but not necessarily to the best benefit of the children. It's called competition. Right. And that's what I'd like to see. That's what I'd like to see. It's absolutely crazy that we spend $17,000 a year on, on education per student, and we're the bottom of the system. Right. What's I, wrong with that picture? You know, I mean, it's, it's crazy. No, and I, I, I think that was that was back to my point of saying, you know, yeah. looking at the overhead, looking at the administrations and the infrastructure and the uh, the lopsided <laughs> expenditures where all the money's being consumed by the uh, by the the administrative costs and everything else rather than trickling down into the classroom. Uh, you know, right. fifty three separate school districts all with duplicative administrative processes and everything else. I mean, why couldn't we consolidate some of those down and and save some of those monies and make it simpler in that regard? Um, right. Well, I, I would go along with that, ex- except I don't want to see more bureaucracy because if you consolidate, you get more bureaucracy. Well, no, you get you get if you're duplicating, if you've got, you know, 53 superintendents and 53 HR directors and 53, right. you know, whereas even if you cut it down by half. Uh, and consolidated a few of those things, then, yeah. I mean, you've got one school district that has more students in it and more, uh, you know, handles more students than most of the other districts and most of the other districts combined. I mean, we've got some problems. You know what I mean? Yes. Um, But see, I guess what I'm saying is if you had a one-room schoolhouse like they used to have across the United States and you had a teacher and the local parents who decided, you know, which teacher – and their kids were getting an education because the parents were involved. Uh, that's that's a model that doesn't have a whole lot of overhead. Right, right. But I don't think anybody's and, suggesting that at this point. But I definitely understand your 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 thought on that. Okay, so we're we're coming down to the end here. I wanted to touch on the PFD real quick. Your okay. position on the PFD statutory leftover. Where do you stand on the PFD? Well, I, I guess I got to start back with what started the PFD. What they did when they formed Alaska was they stripped the subsurface rights from the surface rights all across Alaska. And so basically they took all the private property rights that normally under a common law system would belong to the owner of the of the land. Right. And, and they took it and said, OK, now that's a state interest, quote unquote, and it be, it belongs to the state. But we're going to manage it for everybody that would have had an interest in those subsurface rights. And so, the first of all, the PFD is not welfare. Right. It's not. It is. It is a, a royalty interest. Right. That's why they call it a dividend. Right. It's because because the oil and gas belongs to this belongs to the people, right. if you will. Now, if you have a statute, I mean, I'm enough of a lawyer that I used to think. That if you had a statute that determined how you're going to allocate resources, whatever it is, but particularly for the PFD, uh, and that, I mean, Walker just scratched through the statute. Right, right. He he, he cut it in half because he just wanted to, you yeah. know. And and then the, this court system we have upheld that. You, you don't scratch through statutes. I mean, I'd love to scratch through the speed limit statute every time I'm driving down the highway. So, well, I'm not going to follow that 70-mile-an-hour speed limit or that 65-mile-an-hour speed limit. But you, that's not the way it works. That's not the rule of law. That's lawlessness. Right. 
So what you're saying is what you're, and I hate to sh- cut you short here, but we're running out of no, time. No, no, that's all right. What you're that's saying right. is hashtag follow the damn law, uh, essentially. Exactly. 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 Okay. exactly. Uh, Clayton, I'm going to. And, and uh, one uh, thing, one one more thing, I'd say if I could, is that not only should they pay the full PFD, they ought to pay interest on the unpaid principal balance of the PFD for what they did not distribute to the people because Which, that's still exactly. that's still the people's money. Uh, Clay, Clayton Trotter, GOP candidate for Senate District L. Clayton, I'm sorry we're out of time for today. Clayton Trotter for Alaska.com is the website. Appreciate you coming on board this morning and sharing with us. Uh, thank you for uh, being part of the program today. Thank you for being a voice for liberty. All right. I appreciate it. Thanks so much Bye. for uh, coming on board. All right, uh, we are out of time for this hour. Elijah Verhagen is going to be joining us in hour two, candidate for Senate District R up in the interior. We'll return with more. The Michael Duke Show, common sense, liberty based, free thinking radio. All right, uh, I've still got uh, I've still got Clayton here on the phone. And uh, so I'm going to give him a chance. What I normally like to do is give you a chance to make your elevator pitch to Alaskans. Uh, but we ran out of time. So, Clayton, if you want to give us a quick uh, elevator pitch on why people should vote for you versus your opponents. Uh, you know, we just bumped into each other in the elevator. and You're going to give me the 60-second pitch or so. I know you're a lawyer, so that's hard to hold it all into it 60 hard. seconds. And a but, professor. Yeah, and a professor, that. yeah. So that's like double double whammy here. Uh, yeah. Let uh, give me uh, give me your elevator pitch on why people should be, uh, uh, you know, why people should be uh, voting for Clayton Trotter in Senate District L. Okay, Num- number one, the motto of my campaign is "In God We Trust." I borrowed that from another organization, and faith, family, and freedom is for the future of Alaska. That's kind of, again a phrase I like to use, and but I am a conservative legal mind if you will. I've been doing conservative legal matters for 30 years or more. And and I've always been a conservative. I was a Republican when I was 14, okay? And and not a liberal Republican. And so there is no voice, legal voice in the Senate of Alaska that's conservative. And the law department up there, uh, got, I got news for you. All those lawyers up there are generally not conservatives, okay? And so we, I think we need a voice that, that believes in, in life, liberty, and property uh, and the Second Amendment to be an advocate for the people of Alaska from Senate District here, District L, uh, in the Alaska Senate, and I can be that voice. All right. Clayton Trotter, Clayton Trotter for Alaska.com again is the website. Clayton, thank you for coming on board this morning. We appreciate you. uh, Appreciate you sharing with us. Well, I appreciate you enormously. You keep up the good work. I like listening to your show. It's a great show. All right. All All the best. Thank you, Clayton. Appreciate, uh, appreciate you calling in. All right. Clayton Trotter, um, uh, uh, our guest for, uh, for today. Um, All right. Well, uh, interesting conversation. Uh, again, I think that uh, definitely need to clarify and quantify the cuts specifically to education that we were talking about earlier. Clayton is, uh, again, going to be in a four-way race for that Senate District L. That's for, for, formerly Laura Reinbold's seat. He's got two um, sitting representatives who are running for that seat as well, Ken McCarty and Kelly Merrick. 
as well as Republican candidate Joe Wright. So four Republicans vying for the same seat. It's going to be uh, <clears throat> it's going to be an interesting showdown there. Uh, definitely, uh, definitely interesting to see what uh, what happens. Uh, as we go forward. All right, Elijah Verhagen is going to be joining us here in just a hot second, and we'll be uh, we'll be jumping in with him here uh, in uh, just a moment. Uh, I'll just say ready when you are, and we'll get him loaded into the uh, uh, into the uh, uh, chat here and into the video of the uh, of the uh, show. Feel free to uh, make sure to like and subscribe, like and share. Do all the do all the things that you know the YouTube things and the Facebook things and the Twitch things to make sure that you get notifications whenever we go live every morning. And uh, we'll see. No, Laura is not coming back. Laura Reinbolt did not file for that seat, and uh, it is uh, she is not coming back uh, for uh, this go around. Um. Uh, see, mistakes aren't going to make themselves. America's burned bridges in Eagle River. Yeah, no, I don't, America's not going to win. Uh, I, I don't think Merrick will win. She uh, definitely has ruffled some feathers. She's been censured by the committees. Uh, I think she's going to have a very, very hard time uh, in that district. Now, she will have probably the largest amount of money uh, because she will have, um, you know, she'll have uh, uh, the unions and everything else behind her. But uh, I think it's going to be a very, very tough, tough time for sure. I see Elijah Verghagen has uh, joined the green room and he's ready to jump into this. So we're going to dive into that here in just a moment uh, and get ready to uh, to check in with him. Let me just uh, uh, let me just get the uh, let me get the audio set up here just to make sure that uh, we're here. You with us uh, here, Elijah? Yes. Hi. Good morning. Good morning. Yeah, I can hear you. You sound good. Thanks for uh, thanks for coming on board. We're gonna, uh, in fact, I'm gonna turn you down just a little bit because I can hear you loud and clear, and we'll be ready to uh, jump into this. Um, uh, so uh, you're ready. I'm ready. We're all ready. Hold the line. I'm gonna mute you there. You're gonna hang out in my virtual green room and drink my virtual coffee and eat my virtual donuts. Although you can have your own coffee too if you want. We'll uh, we'll allow that. We will allow that. Coming up on tomorrow's program, Firearms Friday, we're hoping to have Dr. John Lott as part of the discussion. Uh, and, of course, Chris Chang, Top Shot champion from Season 4 of Top Shot, will be joining us from California uh, to give us his take on some of the things that are going on out there. Uh, we will talk with him uh, on the program. And, of course, Willie Waffle from WaffleMovies.com. Um, <clears throat> I knew that... Uh, uh, let's see, it was perfectly legal. I'm just looking at Randy's comment here. It was perfectly legal for Bill Walker to veto half the PFD. In that year, there was a $4 billion deficit due to the crash in price of oil. Knew he was committing political suicide, but he did it anyway. As provide cover for the timid legislature so they could pass SB 26. Um, yeah, no, they had passed SB 26 already at that point, And that was the, that was the, uh, that that was the problem. Uh, yes, I mean, it was within his power to do so. Uh, but uh, again, I don't think it was the right move. And I don't quite honestly, I, I don't think it was a legal move um, uh, at the time. Uh, the courts disagree with me. And I guess that's why I'm not a lawyer. But Randy, uh, thank you for your thoughts on that. All right, we're jumping back into it. Here we go. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Elijah Verhagen up next. Let's get to it. Hour two is right now.
buddy, put that thing back in its holster. We haven't gone anywhere. I don't understand. Check out the MichaelDukesShow.com for information on how to get access to the podcast. Welcome to the party, pal. The, the Michael Dukes Show. The greed and the entitlement is astounding to me. What more could you want from a low-budget radio program? This is a dumpster fire. That was just BS. It is time to get a new perspective. We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just don't fathom it. The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world. Around the world on the interwebs, on YouTube, on Facebook, on Twitch, and around the state of Alaska on this, your favorite radio station and or FM translator, it is The Michael Duke Show, broadcasting live. Welcome to the program this hour of the show, being brought to you by our friends at Satellite West. You can find out more about them at SatelliteWest.com for all your communication needs, satellite, cellular, VHF, UHF, all, I mean, all the community, whatever it is, SatelliteWest.com. That's where you go to find out more about them. Thank you for sponsoring the program today. All right, we're jumping right into it here this morning with our second guest uh, for the uh Uh, for the show today, continuing on the trend of talking with local candidates for office. We continue our discussion now. Elijah Verhagen joins us. He is a candidate for Senate District R. That's the seat that's currently being held uh, by uh, Click Bishop. And uh, Elijah Verhagen joins us this morning to discuss his candidacy and more as we come up to the to the election less than a less than a week away here for the primary and of course the general coming up in November. Good morning sir, how are you? Whoops. Uh got, I there, good, morning. good morning. How are you? You you blanked away for a second and now you're here. How are you doing this morning? I'm doing great. Good. Thanks. Thanks for having me on. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you coming on board and uh, and sharing with us uh, here a little bit more this morning. Uh, Elijah, you got a little bit of a different take on things because you live out uh, more in a rural community, um, but you're taking on the, uh, the incumbent and uh, fighting for it. Give us a little bit of your background and why you decided that now was the time to run for this specific office at this specific time. Sure. So um, I've been born and raised in Canada. I've lived in Fairbanks for a few years growing up, but uh, I was our district chair in one of the two house districts, and for years I've been hearing that um, people really had not been felt like they'd been heard, and I had felt similarly. Thanks, you got rid of the echo. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Appreciate that. Um, I had been uh, hearing for years that people hadn't felt like they'd been being heard, let alone visited, um, listened to in the rural area, especially, and uh, by their senator. And people didn't have a choice. Uh, since jumping in there 10 years ago, Click has basically been unopposed. And, um, and so when people were continually asking this coming session, hey, uh, do you as the district chair know of anyone who could run? Um, and I said, no, I'm too busy. You know, I can't run and I'll look for someone. And I, so I looked pretty hard and I could not find anyone. And so anyways, when we had about three days before the deadline, I decided to jump in because, um, I too was frustrated with, especially, uh, clicks, continuous PFD assault votes, um, 
along with uh, the COVID stuff, pushing and shooting down amendments that would have protected uh, the individual at the state level um, from getting the jab just to go to work. Uh, and so um, that and there were several other things that the that our district had unanimously censured Click Bishop on. So anyways, I decided uh, to jump in, talk to my wife about it. And um, she surprised me because before she was like, you know, you know, that was a lot of work and, uh, <laughs> and very hard two years ago. Don't do that ever again. And uh, so anyways, I was grateful when she was like, hey, you know, I feel like people need a choice. You should do this. Um, so anyways, I got in, you know, a few hours before the, the deadline on June 1st. Um, so as far as the race right now, it's, I think, going really good. I'm excited for Tuesday um, and the primary election results. Uh, I've been running around, uh, you know, getting as much done and getting to as many places as possible. Um, I've really, I've been trying to reach some of the rural areas and at the same time focus on the downtown, or not the downtown, the Fairbanks part of my district, which is District 35, University West, Chena Ridge, um, Sheep Creek, um, Chena Pump Road in Fairbanks, Airport, and Geist Road. So those areas, if you're listening and you live in those areas, um, that's that's my Senate district. And um, I, I sent out, you should be getting mailers today or tomorrow. I've sent out almost 2,000 mailers to all the Republicans in that district because um, I'm really trying to get the voter turnout uh, in, in that district, which is um, the more urban district. And um, I have a little bit less name recognition in that area. Right. And uh, so those mailers should be arriving today. Um, but at the same time, I've been visiting the villages. I flew up to Fort Yukon, uh, which is about five, 600 people, uh, met with the chief up there, met with a lot of uh, city employees and other um, people on the street door knocked and and that went really well. Those people up there felt very uh, not heard for the longest time and uh, good people, you know. Um, well, yeah, because when was, the, when was the last time they saw their senator up there in Fort Yukon? I mean, I guess that was my might be my question. Yeah, and that was that was uh, <laughs> a lot of people had say, said the same thing. There was no sign of clicks click up there. Um they said, you know, he, we we had, we don't know when the last time he's been up here. You know, people never, they never care. They never show up. So thank you so much for coming. Uh, Want to be on our radio program. <laughs> so I was on, you know, the radio program um, broadcast to a lot of the other surrounding villages, which right. I'm going to be doing the best to reach. Um, and so that was great. Those people really need the full PFD, uh, the statutory PFD, and and clicks votes against that just really hurt them. Uh, I filled up my friend's truck who let me use it up there. It was nine sixty four a gallon up in Fort Yukon Oof. for fuel. Yeah, and uh, and then I went to the store and was getting some lunch, and the the store there eight ninety nine for a half gallon of milk. So you know it's just crazy. The inflation up there too um, is way worse than it even is here. You know in the cities. And, and I really feel for them. And so they need the full PFD. They were excited to hear that, you know, there's a candidate running that supports that, supports them. They've been told for two years they can't fish. Um, there's only a little window that they're opening up at the end of August for them to fish for chum. Uh, they haven't been able to get kings for years. And that's, you know, they can't just jump in the car and run to Chitna or, or uh, Kasilov or, or Kenai. And, and so that's subsistence. That's what, you know, they've, they live off of. 
and they've been told no for for two summers now in a row and that's really hurting them so that's you know another big thing i'm going to be fighting for for them um when uh last night i had a I had some good news but last night i was on a, a district 35 zoom meeting and uh we had about 16 participants and me and senator bishop were on there we um both gave our spiel we answered questions from the group and in the end i got endorsed um 11 to 1 by and that's so that's my fairbanks district so now i'm unanimously endorsed by house 36 republicans and uh 11 to 1 in um district 35 so i'm really grateful for that i've also gotten endorsed about a uh, almost a month ago now by the uh, state uh, Republican SEC, State Central Committee. So I am very honored and grateful. Click doesn't have any of those endorsements. And um, so, yeah, I'm really excited yeah. to um, to see how Tuesday goes. He doesn't and have any of those work. endorsements. And in fact, he's got a censure from, uh, from uh, the committees as well. So, uh, I mean, I think that that's good. What I find interesting about your district, Elijah, is that it is the it is the the dichotomy of the rural and the urban. I mean, you've got some very very rural areas, and as you pointed out, University West in Fairbanks, one of the denser areas, and of course, pretty heavily uh, swinging towards the university. So there's some uh, moderate, a lot of moderate Republicans and and uh, and Democrats in that area as well. Um, what are you hearing? And, and what I'm really interested in is what you're hearing in the urban versus rural. You just mentioned being up in Fort Yukon where the PFD was obviously a huge issue because, I mean, that's a big chunk of their annual cash income, um, not barter or anything else. It's one of the things that gets them through uh, versus things like in University West where maybe they could afford not to get that as much as somebody in the rural. So give me a little bit of a feel for what you're hearing from your constituency in the various demographic areas. Sure. So, yes, um, very uh, there's a few, you know, intersecting, but most of the most of them are different concerns and different worries, et cetera. Um, the people in the urban areas, particularly, they are uh, more excited to see a candidate that um, gives them a conservative choice and is fired up about things like being pro-life. You know, I'm very pro-life. Uh, my opponent is not. Uh, I'm not saying he's not pro-life, but he's not very pro-life. He voted, shot down an amendment that would have um, prohibited Medicaid uh, funding that went to abortion that Senator Rob Myers had on the House, uh, on the Senate floor. That's not very conservative uh, as far as pro-life, in my opinion. Um, I've, I've been hearing things like the Binding Caucus um, people are frustrated in District 35 that um, as soon as their uh, legislator gets elected, uh, oftentimes they'll go right down there and they'll join a binding caucus and then basically give up the the will or the freedom to vote the way they feel if it goes against the, the ruling of the chair or on the budget. Um, that was a, a big topic last night in our in our District 35 meeting. And uh, and Click said, I like the Binding Caucus. <laughs> He's like, I've been in both, and I like it. Gives you more control. And uh, <laughs> the guy the guy that asked him that was not happy because, you know, he really cannot stand uh, the Binding Caucus. And that was the wrong answer to say, oh, I love it. It gives us more control. <laughs> you know, of course it does. And that's the problem is people get elected, and then they go there and they – get controlled you know, right yeah. away, give up their control of the constituency that just elected them 
to the Senate president or, you know, the handful of people that run the show. And uh, so, yeah, he didn't score any brownie points when he said that Um, the vaccine mandates um, just, you know, I'd say a lot of District 35 is not really against, you know, the vaccine per se, but they are against being told what to do by the government, you know, right. the conservative group there. And uh, and that's the same thing with me. I don't really have anything against vaccines. But when the government says I shall do anything, I'm going to resist. Right. You know, and, um, especially with these mandates that, you know, were not actually passed by the legislature or anything like that. And so we talked about that yesterday. And um, it was pretty surprising when one of two different people on the call asked uh, Senator Bishop about his um, votes on the vaccine mandates. And he kind of sidestepped him and said, oh, I don't I didn't want to tell private businesses that they couldn't uh, tell their employees they had to get the jab or, or they couldn't work. Well, he completely ignored the fact that he shot down the, the amendment and a bill uh, that would have prohibited the state from saying you shall get the jab or you can't go to work. Right, right. And uh, that's what these guys were asking about. And, and the second one asked a follow-up and click simply said, I already answered the first time. I'm not going to answer any more, any further. And here we all are on committee and, you know, discussing this. And he says, really? Wow. Like, you're just not even going to answer. And clicks like, nope, I'm done. <laughs> you know, I've already said what I was going to say. And he, you know, the constituent was just shocked. And we were all shocked on the committee. I was just like, okay, so we're not answering questions, huh? And, and so when it was my turn, you know, I was like, you can ask me any questions you want and I'll answer. And and I got some tough ones, but at the same time, I was just very surprised that, oh, I'm just, I've already said enough. I'm not answering anymore, you know, right to a constituent in our committee. So anyways, that was interesting. Um, <laughs> I've been hearing people talk about um, in this district, the university, um, a lot of the moderates and, you know, on the other side too, the the left, they, they want, of course, the university to thrive. I'm not, I'm, I'm a UAF graduate. I graduated, you know, with a construction management degree and a political science degree. I hate when our kids choose to go outside because, you know, they don't feel like they can get the education they want in the state. And so I support our universities. However, I told one of the people um, that I was talking with yesterday that I, as much as I support uh, the universities, I'm going to do what I can to help them. That doesn't mean that I'm going to promise to give them, you know, excess money. Right. Because fiscal conservative, um, I believe that they should be doing what they can to continue to work to not be so dependent on the state for funding. You know, they, they get federal funding, they get they raise their own money. And, and there's, you know, there's not a problem with us funding them partially, you know, or some of it. But still, we've been funding them very, um, very well, in my opinion, for quite some time. And the last thing I'm going to promise is to be funding them even more. And that's what some people have been wanting me to do. The promise uh, and i'm like no i'll look at it i'll see what we can afford responsibly and then we'll go from there uh that doesn't mean that i'm anti-university yeah. um i want so. and, I, and i want to dive down a little deeper into that but we're coming up on the break right now so let's uh let's take a quick break and when we come back we'll have more elijah verhagen is our guest uh here on the michael duke show running for senate district r which is up in the interior in the rural areas it's the seat currently held by Click Bishop, for those of you who are in that district and don't know. Uh, we will continue the Michael Duke Show. Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio, Elijah Verhigan returns right after this.
If you missed the show, you can listen to it on your time with Dukes On Demand. Oh, and it's free. Like America used to be. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. All right, we're in the break right now. Elijah Verhagen is our guest. Um, and, uh, boy, I would love to have been a fly on the wall on that meeting last night <clears throat> just to see the reactions on people. I mean, my, my eyebrows crept up when you said he just said, nope, I've done answered that. I'm not going to answer it anymore. That uh, I, Somebody said, who was it? Let me go back here because I, I just thought that was the it was the perfect uh, – it was the perfect comment. She goes, that was the uh, – that was the elitist mentality or something like that. I mean, that's that's really that's that's kind of the answer. Well, I've answered your questions. I'm done answering your questions, you plebes. Um, and I'm just like, wait a second. Wait, that's that's not how it uh, here it is. Bishop's response is consistent with the ruling elite. And that's exactly it. And that goes right back to the comment on the Binding Caucus. It gives us more control. Okay, wait. Who's? Let's define the us, first of all. Are you talking about the business as usual, political elite, the, the leadership of the Senate and the House that is completely, that it worked in, in cahoots with each other and completely ignored the working, the fiscal policy working group? I mean, were they, is that who you're talking about, giving them more control? I think that that probably is closer to the mark. Elijah? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it was it was just shocking. <laughs> the the guy verbally said, "Wow, okay, so you're just not gonna okay," <laughs> and we moved on. And it was just it was uncomfortable for everyone. We were just like, "All right," you know. And it was just it was surprising. There were like he ended up I feel like almost arguing with every single person who asked him questions, you know. And and, and so when it came to for his endorsement. Um, they, they tried to get us both endorsed. And when it came down to it, um, I got the endorsement 11 to one and his failed at six, six as far as, so he failed to get the endorsement. Um, and, and so, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm excited about that. Um, the, after everything was all done, um, it, unfortunately one of the people that voted against him being on there, they were in the email invitation from the chair and everything, but apparently, They'd recently switched their registration to not being in an R right now because they're kind of frustrated. And therefore, now they're going to have to have a revote. And um, so he might squeak by with a 5-6 vote, you know, or 6-5 vote with an endorsement. But at the same time, we'll see what happens there. But as of right now, he failed to get the endorsement. And and it serves, I don't know, when you, when you blatantly ignore your own constituents and say, you know, I'm done. I'm not going to answer that anymore. It, 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 I don't know. You're going to have consequences. You're going to have people frustrated at you. Well, right, because, again, it, it, it pulls back to the attitude of what I call the politician's disease, right? We know better than you how to run your life. We know better than you how to fill in the blank, raise your children, spend your money, whatever it is. And that attitude of I'm going to argue with every question or basically I'm done answering questions means I'm in charge. I'm done answering questions. I mean, that's the, that is the attitude that we're not looking for. Yeah. Well, and not only that, you know, again, I, I have nothing personal against the guy, but his record, I'm going to point out the flaws and, you know, and he's got to stand accountable for it. But still, some of the attitude when he first got on the chair, let him go first and the chair said, hey, give us your spiel, you know, five minutes. And he said, I'm sorry, I'm at a, a funeral right now. And therefore, I don't have time 
to talk for five minutes. So let's just hear your questions. And again, we were all like, wow, you asked for this meeting. You scheduled, you know, we scheduled it with your uh, time frame. And now you're saying, I don't have time for this. And then once the chair kind of dragged it out of him, he gave a little spiel. Then a lot of people had questions for him. So they kept him on the phone on purpose, because, as they should. You know, when he's going to make time and ask for an endorsement, he should be there answering questions and listening to people. And then he says, I got to go. Bye bye. And then he stays on the whole time to listen to me. And I, I was happy that he did that. And I, cause anyways, I kind of <laughs> let him have it. And I just thought it was amusing. I was just like, wow, you know, wow. Yeah. Act like you don't have time for us or don't have time for the people that are going to, you know, be electing you potentially, you know, you got to make time for the, your constituents. Yeah, no, you definitely, I mean, it's, it should be a priority at that point. Uh, Elijah Verhagen, we're about to, that's it. We're about to jump back in. Uh, it's just our little reminder that we got stuff to do. Let's continue. <clears throat> Folks, make sure that you like and follow the show page. Like and subscribe on YouTube. Do all that stuff. Let's jump back into it. Here we go. Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio. All right, we're back now. Elijah Verhagen is our guest, candidate for Senate District R, which used to be Senate District uh, A up in the interior. They flipped everything around. I'm still trying to learn all the new district seats right now. Every 10 years, they throw me into a kerfluffle. Um, Elijah Verhagen is our guest, candidate. Uh, again, uh, a little bit of background. Elijah comes uh, from the rural communities out uh, near Ninana. He's run in the past. He uh, works in construction, has his own company, just does all, all different kinds of stuff. Uh, but finally threw his hands up in the air and said, if not if not me, then who? And if not now, then when? Right, Elijah? That was kind of the, that was kind of the metric that you uh, ran up against? Yes, absolutely. You know, I can... When three days before no one else had filed, I could have, I was pretty, pretty frustrated because I wanted a choice. And like I said, uh, there hasn't been, it's just pretty much been one name on that uh, ballot for me for the past 10 years right? Uh, since he got in there. And I've been frustrated with that. So I could either spend another couple of years frustrated on my couch, you know, with all these votes, <laughs> uh, et cetera, or, you know, all of the signs that are going up next to Lisa Murkowski, Bill Walker, Greyer Hopkins, etc. I could sit there frustrated with that um, and do nothing about it, or I could have, I could jump in and, and do what I can about it, and that's what I'm doing. Right. And uh, and again, I'm very grateful and, and uh, humbled for the all the endorsements I've been getting so far, um, and uh, and the support. And so I, I look forward to Tuesday. And again, if you're listening and you're in basically any of the interior that is not in Fairbanks, then you're probably in my Senate district. And then if you're in uh, University West, Chena Pump, Chena Ridge, Airport or Geist area, Sheep Creek, then you're also probably in my district. So um, yeah, please get out and vote on Tuesday. But but yeah, um, we were just talking, um, you know, you've got to make time for your constituency. And when you get on a, a an endorsement meeting, with your constituents and you start off when they ask you to give an introduction and a spiel and you say, I'm sorry, I have something else. I don't really have time for this. Just ask me the questions that right 
away is, you know, it's it's the attitude of I don't have time for you guys. You know, uh, this let is me get this over more. with. Yeah, let me get this over with. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 Uh, uh, no, that's uh, that's kind of crazy. But again, I can't. I think it shows that elitist attitude that I know better than you how to do things, kind of attitude that we're not looking for. Um, let's talk for a minute. You mentioned the PFD, obviously very important to the rural communities. I think I would argue that the amount of a statutory PFD should be significant to most people, especially if you're talking about, you know, the average family of mom and dad and 2.1 kids. Uh, you're talking about a significant amount of money. Um, so I would argue that a statutory dividend would affect many, many people, probably the, 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 you know, 60, the lowest 60 or 65% of the income earners in the state. So what's your position on the PFD and how would that differ from your opponent at this point? Yeah. So so, several of the questions last night were about the PFD and his vote on that. And, uh, he said, Oh, well, you guys are going to get a huge PFD this year. You're going to get $3,200. You know, you should be happy, basically. And I was like, and again, we weren't we weren't really me and him weren't supposed to be debating. So this was all his turn to talk with the constituents. And so I had to keep my mouth shut. But at this point, I was like, hold on, buddy. You know, part of that was this energy relief check. Right. And that, in my opinion, is a handout. It doesn't mean that right now with the crazy inflation and everything else, it's 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 definitely needed. But at the same time, I would have been against an energy relief check because that is a handout and I would have been just pushing the full statutory PFD, which would have been even more. Yeah. It would have been even more than what they're giving us. Right. Exactly. And it would have been even more and it would have been a dividend and the people's share. It would not have been a handout. So some of them, uh, they have this attitude. Oh, I cannot give the people their money. So I'm going to give out a handout to, you know, get some votes and, you know, uh, call it something else because I do not want to give them the full PFD amount. And that is wrong. That's so frustrating. And I, so I'll say it again. If, if the statutory PFD formula has to change, it should come from a vote of the people because everyone has a share. What other kind of money, um, in, in your care, do other people get to vote on how they use it instead of you, Right. you know, or without your pay? And, and therefore, if it if it changes, it should be coming from a vote statewide of the people on a ballot or something. You know, shall we change the formula instead of this blatant, you know, not following the law ever since 2016? You know, ever right. since just ignoring the, the statute. Right. Yeah, just yeah. ignoring the statute, which leads us to SB 26, which is the POMV formula, which puts it at direct odds with another statute. I mean, the legislature passes one statute in direct conflict with one that's currently on the books without removing the first one, which uh, because they didn't because they knew that that was the political third rail at the time. Um, and yet we still got these two conflicting laws in the books. What about a repeal? And, and the problem with the POMV also is that it doesn't have the it doesn't have the guide rails that the statutory formula has on it for market flow. So if the market goes up or down, the dividend is commensurate with that. A POMV is just a flat percentage, no matter what the market's doing. And it has the possibility of eating into the corpus and doing some real bad things in the long run. So what's your thoughts on repealing SB 26? Yeah, so good question. So I, um, when they were passing SB 26, I testified against it. Um, I feel like the legislature has already used up their share of the constitutional, you know, PFD amount. 
And now the POMV was digging more and more into the people's amount. And, and so, um, that is something that, you know, they pushed through and they passed. And you're right, it's in direct conflict with the current statute, which had that fluctuation, that five-year average uh, right. built in there for when the oil wasn't doing well, like, you know, several different years. And so, um, yeah, I would definitely be uh, looking into um, def- uh, major revisions, if not a repeal of SB 26, because we should not be <laughs> having two book laws on the books that are definitely conflicting with each other. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, And you mentioned earlier, any change to the statute uh, for the statutory formula should go before the people, which I think is important. You mentioned education. Obviously, your district is very uh, heavily influenced by the University uh, of Alaska Fairbanks. And so there's a question there. Of course, we saw the governor's first budget came in with some cuts, and then he decided to do a stepped approach, and then they completely abandoned that at one point. Uh, And the university ended up, I think, in the long run, making just as much money uh, in in uh, from prior to where the cuts were. Uh, we actually have three university systems underneath an overarching system, so we've got duplication on top of duplication. They were in the process of consolidating when they were under pressure and then decided to throw that away. Uh, we've got K-12 with a similar problem with 50-plus different districts that have got a lot of duplicative effort in there. Uh, what are your thoughts on education and, and what we should be doing to make it better and more efficient uh, for us? So um, I had a great conversation with two different superintendents in my district recently, and um, both great people. And I really actually enjoyed the fact that both of them recognize, because this is not always the case, but recognize that um, money does not fix everything. We need to fix other problems before we just keep dumping money into into a boat with holes in it, I guess. <laughs> and um, and I was really grateful for the, these two conversations I had and, and some of their uh, remedies and things that they're working on to deal with the major problems that they deal with um, is uh, is teacher retention, especially in some of the outlying areas. You know, teacher retention is huge. And, and so when oftentimes people come up from out of the state and uh and take jobs up here and then they go work in rural alaska teaching it is a huge culture shock and a huge life change and all of a sudden you know they're snowed in you know the mail plane doesn't even come in sometimes in the villages and they're like oh my gosh i can't take this and they quit and uh after they've already, you know, sometimes be developed relationships with the kids, etc. And so um, that's been detrimental, especially to the, the morale of some of the students, some of the other staff, some of the other teachers out in the rural areas. And so what these, um, these educators are trying to do is they're trying to incorporate more uh, paraeducators uh, into the classrooms, people that live in the communities, but have the ability to... Um, work part-time or, or even some of it's volunteer and be, they can be trained and then they're helping the, the kids. And yet those people are local. So they're not just going to quit when it's cold and dark, you know, and move away. Uh, they're going to be there throughout the kids years in school, helping them and, and being again, yeah, paraeducators or assistants or, or even sometimes teaching classes. And, and so that's what um, a lot of these more rural areas are, are, are moving towards which I think is fantastic. That's, that's These are the kind of ideas we need. We don't always just need to 
you know, throw more money at the problem. Right. Um, Because we're throwing the most in the nation and yet we're still at the bottom of the barrel for scholastic achievement. So, I mean, I think that that is proving not to be the the good case. I've only got a couple minutes. I know you got to go here pretty quick, Elijah. So uh, I do want to talk a little bit about uh, the Constitutional Convention, uh, which I know is going to be a question. You've already said that you're not in favor of the Binding Caucus. We've kind of gone over the charter of changes in the past and you're in support of those principles. But let's talk about the CONCON. Some have argued, including State Senator Mike Schauer, that this is the only way because there's no political will to fix it. I mean, you've got the old guard of of Click Bishop and Burt Stedman and those in there who are fighting tooth and nail on any changes. And uh, the only way that many of us are contending that things are going to actually get fixed is to put them. You can't you can ignore a statute, but you can't ignore the Constitution. So can we put a spending cap in? Can we constitutionalize the PFD formula? Can we fix the judicial uh, uh, system, you know, as far as the selection of judges and things like that? What's your take on the CONCON? Yeah, so I, I was having a conversation about this with um, two different House reps running or candidates and another um, another guy up here in Fairbanks just recently. And I've, I'm definitely leaning towards voting yes on the CONCON. Um, however, some of this, we, we were bringing up some good points. I feel like all three of us candidates were in agreement that um, I would like to have the Constitutional Convention to protect life to um, change the the way that we choose um, our Supreme Court here in Alaska, absolutely, and uh, spending cap. And and so those are three things that I would like to open it up for to insert and fix. And um, but uh, talking with, you know, uh, these guys and and many others that I've been talking with, um, the one and the main concern that I have is we will be selecting, you know, if, if we have a constitutional convention, we will be selecting delegates, right? I think it's 55. And they'll be um, hopefully representing us and our interests. But as we see from electing legislators that we think are going to represent our interests, and then a lot of them oftentimes get down to Juno and totally change their tune. What happens if we, you know, select these delegates and we have faith in them and we're like, yay, you know, we're going to get this positive stuff done. And then they get in there and under pressure, they do what we were not hoping that they do, or they touch things in the constitution, right. the constitution that we weren't wanting them to, to, to mess with. And so that's my one hesitation or my main hesitation is, uh, you know, and that um, was, that was my fear too, as well. I mean, that's why initially I was very reticent to support it, but the more I looked at it the more I realized is that a, uh, you know, we have to elect them. Uh, so that, and, and hopefully it'll be during a session so that legislators can't be involved. It'll just be regular. I mean, there may be former legislators or whatever, but, but two, is that they will be uh, any change that they make has to go before the people. So even if they make a change, and maybe it's something you and I don't agree with, the people as a whole still have to ratify it. And so yeah. that you know, so that is a stopgap. Um, I mean, this is going to be a longer process. This is not a quick fix. I notice you didn't say put the PFD formula in there. Is there a reason why you say you you're not supporting that, or what is your thoughts on that? Quickly here, I've only got a couple minutes here. Yeah. So I'm just I'm not I'm undecided on that right now. Um, again, I don't think it's the people's play or it's it's not the legislators place. You know, if I were to get elected to change the formula, I think it should go for a vote of the people. And therefore, um, actually, yeah, because because of the check and balance where they the, ratify um, what, it, right. 
whatever they do, yeah. it'll go before state, the state to, again, ratify it and, and therefore all the people. Then I think that, yeah, I actually would be up for looking at putting the, the PFD formula in there as well because it would have that check and balance from the people afterwards. Uh, Elijah, I'm going to give you 90 seconds here for your elevator pitch on the way out the door. Why choose you over your opponent? Go. All right. Thank you. So, uh, again, my, I'm Elijah Verhagen. Please show up on Tuesday and vote. I'm the conservative choice. Also, the, the choice that's willing to call people back, you know, listen, uh, get back to their constituents. That's been a common theme amongst rural and uh, my urban district is, you know, where is where is click? We, you know, he never calls us back. I even had a friend that said, I vo- I'm going to support for you. I'm going to vote for you. Sorry, he was a friend of clicks. And he said, I've known click for a long time. But he said, oh, I'll get back with you on this. Never does. Never did. And we're friends. So he's like, you have my support. You know, if you're going to be a legislator, you need to be listening. You need to get back to people. So I'll be doing that. Um, I'm going to be fighting for rural Alaska. I'm going to be fighting for the Fairbanks area. And I'm a fiscal conservative. And um, I would uh, urge you to go to my website. It's verhagenforsenate.com. And uh, if you can, make a donation. That'd be great. But more importantly, please get out on Tuesday and vote and bring your friends. All right. Well, thank you so much, Elijah Verhagen. Appreciate you being part of the show today. Folks, we're out of time. we got to go. We're going to continue here in just a moment. One final segment. We'll open the phone lines up, take some phone calls. That's directly ahead. The Michael Duke Show. Common Sense. Liberty-based. Free thinking radio. Our light, our guide, and our trusted friend. Okay, one final bite at the apple for Elijah in case he wanted to say anything before we let him go. Uh, give him, uh, give him the floor. Are you talking to me? I'm talking to you. Oh, sorry. I thought that we already did the final bite. Yeah. Well, that's on the radio. We've still got just me and you and 52 of our closest friends on Facebook and another 20 on YouTube. So just uh, any final thoughts before I let you go? Um, You know, one of the things that I thought was pretty amusing last night in our meeting that Click said is he said, you know, I don't do a lot of bills, but I do bills that I care about. And then, um, you know, I push them through. Well, that was pretty ironic considering last session he had Senate Bill 63, which dealt with missing people in Alaska, right. which we've had a huge amount and problem in our district right. specifically. And he never even asked for a hearing. You could look it up on basis, you know, um, <laughs> and, and, and I was just shocked that he said that last night. He specifically said, I asked for hearings and I get things, you know, get bills done. He, he passed a mining bill. Me and him probably agree mostly on mining. But that is the one bill that I could think of that he's passed. He said no new taxes. And then he was for, he was pushing a couple of years back a motor fuel tax statewide. So I was just very surprised, you know, at his response when he had this bill helping deal that Doyon asked him to carry dealing with missing people. And he never even asked for a hearing. And you can look that right up on basis. Um, and he was pushed by other senators. Let's get this going. And he didn't. So. That shows to me that he probably didn't care too much about that bill, and yet that would greatly help the the, the people that go missing statewide all the time, uh, but especially in our district. Um, so, you know, you you gotta you gotta do what you can to make a make a good decision when you're voting, but at the same time, when you got someone who 
doesn't act like they have time for his constituents, someone who, um, you know, says, oh, I'm going to do this bill that would help uh, a certain group uh, or even you know everyone, anyone who, you know, potentially goes missing. It was dealing with like a power of attorney to quickly access records and help find these missing people. And then you don't even ask for a hearing. You know, that's right. obviously not that important to you. So right. anyways, uh, yeah, please uh, do your homework and uh, and vote for the conservative that's also pro full PFD, which is, is going to be important this winter. <laughs> it's going to be. A yeah, we've seen where he stood on that as well. So. All right. Yep. Well, Elijah Verhagen, thank you so much for coming on board. We appreciate you being part of it today. We look forward to talking to you again here in the future. All right. Thanks. thanks. Yep, have a good day. Thanks so much, uh, Elijah Verhagen, our guest here on the Michael Duke Show. Um, all right, uh, one final segment here on the program, and I guess that means I should probably uh, turn the phones on because I didn't turn the phones on earlier. And uh, here we go. We'll get the phone lines uh, scored away, and uh, we'll uh, <clears throat> get things ready to rock and roll. I know somebody wanted to talk about the Murkowski um, uh, and the Project Veritas thing. I saw a couple comments in the chat room on that uh, that we talked about earlier. So let me let me get that. Let me let me get that squared away here. All right, I'm gonna fix that right there. Uh, yep. Okay. <clears throat> I think uh, I think that uh, means that the phone lines are uh, up. Let me make sure here. Usually I do this before the show, but I didn't uh, <clears throat> didn't bother today because I didn't think we were gonna need the whole thing. All right, I think we are ready to go. Um, hmm. that was, uh, that was not, uh, what I wanted here. Let me double check this here <clears throat> to make sure that, uh, everything is good. It will live activizes. Hey, let's not do that. Shall we? Uh, hold on. There we go. I think, I think I've got that fixed now. Uh, let's test that real quick. Welcome to the conferencing service. Yep. It's all working now. Okay. All right. <laughs> sorry about your ears. All participants are muted. Yeah. Sorry about your ears there. I don't know. The whole system changed when you weren't looking there. So sorry about, uh, sorry about that. Um, okay. Um, uh, Mike Cronk says, uh, I just looked here. The bill was deemed illegal by law. We're working, we were working through new language, the department of law. I think he's talking about the Click Bishop bill. So if that's the case, then, you know, there you go. Um, <clears throat> uh, he said uh, he was not endorsing anyone. I uh, was clarifying the bill. I was working on it as well. There were a lot of legal issues. I think that's worth noting. All right, Mike. Well, thanks for bringing that up and, and uh, bringing that to our attention. All right. One final segment coming up here. Uh, good to see uh, good to see young conservative men wanting to get into politics, says Jack. Yeah. No, I mean, I think Elijah is uh, is a good – I thought he was a good candidate when he ran before. I think this is just proof that he uh, uh, he is uh, uh, doing uh, doing good work. And I think he's got enough – I think he's got enough uh, good, uh, uh, good platform positions and enough support to actually uh, be a threat, which is uh, what I, I like to see. All right, life uh, moves on here. We got one final segment. We're going to jump into it. The Michael Duke Show, common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Like and share, like and share, like and follow. Let's go. Here we 
Here we're doing. Okay, uh, we're ready to go here. One final segment of the show. Thanks for coming in and joining us. We're ready to uh, get our get our stuff on. Get get things get things going on. We're about to jump into it. With you, the listeners, uh, phone lines are open at 907-433-3150. Uh, to me, it's just amazing, uh, as Elijah was describing the meeting with us last night, uh, meeting to us uh, from last night that he attended, that kind of just the the arrogance and the, and the, again, the politician's disease that we were talking about with people like Click Bishop and company, where they basically say, well, we, I just don't have time, or I've answered that question, or I don't have time to give you my spiel, just, just ask me the questions and let me get it over with. That's insane. I mean that that is that just shows if nothing else that just shows a real um lack of you're not you're not in touch with your constituency at that point if that's it. these people showed up to ask questions and to pick your brain and when you tell them I'm sorry I don't have time to do that or you say I've answered that question I'm not going to answer that question anymore what I mean you you, you you chose this office, Jack. You chose to run for this office, and now you're telling me you you ain't got time for me. I mean, that's an immediate no from me, right? I mean, that's just an immediate. I'm sorry, we're done at this point. That's insane. But that's the that's the that's the uh, the 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 ideology. That's the philosophy of well, you know. I know better than you, and so why are you bothering me, kid? I'm over here doing your work. Just, st- just stay away. I don't need to talk to you anymore. It's crazy, crazy stuff. Uh, phone lines again are open at 907-433-3150, 907-433-3150. I forgot to put the phone number up on the screen there so folks can take a look at it. And uh, if you want to uh, give us a call, we'd love to hear from you. Phone lines powered by our friends over there at Satellite West. You could find out more about them at SatelliteWest.com. Uh, I'd love to hear what you guys have to say on any of the topics that we touched on today, including... Uh, I mean, going back to it, uh, the Project Veritas thing. Now, like I said, when Suzanne Downing an- announced this yesterday that there was a Project Veritas, you know, expose uh, coming up, um, uh, you know, coming uh, uh, coming up today, I was expecting it to be something that was a little bit more. Um, I-, I guess I was expecting it would be something that was a, a little more um, explosive than it was. It really wasn't that explosive. I mean, it was like, it was not something that we did. Now, again, maybe it's because we're hip deep in this. You know, we, we are, we've been following the, uh, 
Uh, we've been following the whole ballot measure number two. We could see who the players were. We knew who the players were. And to us, it became very obvious. But maybe the average Alaskan voter is not aware of what's going on. Um, they took a, uh, yesterday, Project Veritas released videos of campaign staffers for Lisa Murkowski who describe on tape how Murkowski was secretly supportive of the ballot measure, which, uh, look, any anybody can support a ballot measure. I, again, I don't think that that's too explosive. Um, but they said that uh, the staffers say that they and Murkowski consultants worked on ballot measure number two and that they had Murkowski in mind the whole time. Josiah Nash, the interior campaign coordinator, said she stayed quiet, and honestly, it was probably best she stayed quiet on that. Between you and me, ballot measure number two was actually created, I think, for two reasons. Number one, it was created because there were people in the state who wanted to see a better system, but they also wanted Lisa to get reelected. We were strategic with our messaging, walking a fine line, I guess is what I'm trying to say, to get her elected. Yeah, they were walking a fine line. They basically sold the whole thing as a uh, as a anti-dark money campaign when really what it was about was fundamentally changing the voting system. Um, Emma Ashlock, another campaign coordinator, was recorded saying while we were working on ballot measure two and voting for BM2, we had Senate Murkowski, Senator Murkowski in mind the whole time. So, again, not a not a not a huge surprise to those of us who've been following but maybe it's not for us. Maybe this is for the average voter who would be like, what? Maybe that. Maybe that's what it's all about. Let's go to the phones and get your thoughts on it. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Hey, my name is Lauren. I'm calling from Soldatna. Good morning, Lauren from Soldatna. What's on your mind? Well, I was absolutely thrilled and happy that uh, Project Veritas came up here and put the time into uh, that investigation. I, I think they've done a lot of incredible good work over the last few years. I really became aware of them back in, you know, in 20. Uh, anyway, uh, and also, Must Read Alaska, I appreciate them, uh, you know, the interviews that uh, that, they, that they had on there and, and showing it all. But uh, one thing disturbs me, and uh, I, I just I just wonder. I was shocked when I saw uh, Bernadette Wilson, uh, you know, the the head of Americans for Prosperity. Right. She was running interference for Murkowski. Uh, that I was shocked and I was disappointed. Uh, it makes them kind of suspect to me. Well, what do you say? You know, How is Bernadette running interference? What do you mean? Uh, while she was there at the event, or what? I don't have a lot of time here, but yeah, what do you there, mean? okay. At, at the event there, where at the at the gas thing, at the gas uh, thing there at uh, the Tesoro, where they were, you know, uh, right, rolling it, rolling back, back the prices, back right. corrupts energy energy uh, policy. Uh, when Project Veritas was trying to show the video. Of uh, of talking to Murkowski's staff, Bernadette was pushing them away, getting between them. Uh, she was, I mean, go, if you haven't seen it, go watch it. She was she was definitely running interference and uh, and trying to prevent the uh, journalist, the investigative journalist, from you know talking to and showing the video of Murkowski's staff. 
talking to him. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, so, first of all, I th- I wonder why would Lisa Murkowski show up to this event? Because she's not a, a, Americans for Prosperity is a very conservative organization. Lisa Murkowski is not. I mean, was she invited or did she just decide to show up? Um, I have met Bernadette. I know her a bit. I mean, I, I kind of familiar with her. I would think more that maybe she was trying to save the event or save the event, the embarrassment of all this stuff going on more than anything else. My first question, though, again, still remains, why did Murkowski show up? Uh, I know that they didn't invite candidates there, so she just show up on her own and that she was, Bernadette was trying to defuse it? I don't know. Maybe we can find out. But, Lauren, I, I, don't, know as it, I don't know as it means what you think it means at this point. But, um, again, again, my first question was, Murkowski just shows up at this event and tries to, I don't know, steal some of the line line of the thunder? Interesting stuff. Uh, but, Lauren, thank you for your call. I'm out of time for today. Tomorrow is Firearms Friday, folks. Thanks for coming in. We will see you tomorrow. Do me a favor. Be kind. Love one another. And live well. That's the best revenge is living well. We will see you tomorrow, my friends. Have a great day. Yeah, I mean, I, I that was my first question when I saw that Lisa Murkowski showed up. I mean, is it her right to show up? Sure, but is she? I mean, this is an event put on by somebody else. You're basically going to crash the gate and try and come on and campaign, especially to a bunch of people who uh, are, you know, are probably not your friends. Yeah, maybe she just wanted to show up for cheaper gas. I don't know, but she was offering to buy people sodas. And I just the whole thing is weird. The whole thing is just weird. Um, but yeah, I don't think Bernadette was trying to get involved there to, uh, to silence Veritas. I think she was there for AFP to try and keep that event on track and not let it get sidelined by some kind of uh, circus sideshow. Um, anyway, folks, I appreciate you coming on board. Love having you in here. Uh, we will see you tomorrow. Have a great day, folks. We'll see you then.
We've shed our terrestrial radio skin, and now we are slimy lizard internet people. It's the Michael Duke Show.